battling, banging bars, trying to fight for that inside. I went for a little pass on the inside and I got sideways and I got shuffled back. I took the inside line and I cleaned him the f out. This is the Inside Line Podcast with your host, Caleb Russell. road show you didn't know you needed all right we're back episode three coming at you live in studio doubling down on the guests tonight guest hosting with us tonight ben kelly and craig delong i really wanted to intro craig as one of the 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 lone survivors of the 2022 season of the Ranch Russell crew of or in general in general <laughs> of the XC1 class of the XC1 class we well we determined one we have one of three people that yeah. did not injure themselves in we 2022 that in episode 2 there was three riders Grant Baylor Craig DeLong Josh Toth Josh Toth well yeah Jordan Ashburn because he didn't race the last race after he broke his hand he, he broke his hand so yeah. he did injure himself in 2022 correct Yet another person in the uh, 2022 injury-riddled season. Craig DeLong comes out unscathed. How's it feel? I, it's it's got to feel pretty good knowing that it just seemed like a struggling season. Nothing could go right. Nobody wanted to win this thing. Everybody just hurt themselves. And not just, well, there's a couple small injuries, but they were big, very monumental injuries. Tough to come back from. You're still trying to make that work, Monster Metal. I sound like Rodney Tomlin, huh? Monster Metal. We're going to make it stick. <laughs> the trials man. and tribulations of GNCC racing. Forget Monumental. It's Monster Metal. We're, Monster we're, Metal. We're making Monumental. it stick, man. It's going to become nomenclature here on the uh, Inside Line podcast. Yep. I'm just making up my own vocabulary. That's what this show is all about. Russellisms. Russellisms. Calebisms? Russellisms? What do you think? I start, I start talking, and I... And I lose my train of thought and I just keep talking so I just make it up uh, I mean it's we're, a gift this, this is a new beginnings Johnny new beginnings got it got it we're learning as we go you gotta start somewhere right absolutely well let's get into it Craig how was the 2022 season it was good steady just kept chugging along rookie year though P2 XC1 Hey, it's not po- bad, dude. Podium in your first XC1 race, right? Uh, yeah, but that was like another strange. Ah, man, I wouldn't. You what can't happens, be that guy. Happens. Yeah, like I'm talking facts here. Did you or did you not podium in your first ever XC1 race? I did, but I wasn't third overall, so I don't uh, really. All right, well, your XC1 podium in yeah, your first race finished P2. Got beat by on the season, guys. So. In your in your XC1 debut year, I mean that's a pretty solid rookie season. Yeah, better than uh, I anticipated, for sure. We've got some racing coming up. Not long. The 2023 National Enduro Series starts. What's uh, what's it like having a year under your belt in the XC1 class? Um, obviously, you you were racing um, National Enduros in the pro class before. Uh, is there a, a new mindset, a newfound Craig DeLong in there somewhere? Yeah, I think so. I just, uh, I can even, like, being down here, I can, you know, I can tell. So 
a year under my belt down here and you know another year with the team is it made a difference so so let's back up a little bit we're going to go back to craig delong 2021 battling for that xc2 title come down to the end of the year things are settled uh you didn't end up winning the title in 21 you had won it in 2020 um regardless not not looking at that from a negative standpoint but you had an xc2 title second in 2021 in xc2 you decide to bump up to xc1 was that kind of just to test the waters was that was that the plan yeah i wanted to do it uh a race earlier but um because at that point johnny had almost a race or two on me so i was like let's do it now and they wouldn't let me do it until it was mathematically yeah, eliminated so, yeah. was, so uh, you go in ironman you finish on the xc1 podium not the overall podium realistically you can share with us now what were your expectations for your rookie season in xc1 and gncc like what was kind of i guess if we can get like a bracket of what was the least you would have kind of been happy with and what was like your dream like what was best case scenario for you um i wanted a couple podiums at least at least two podiums that was my plan i wanted to lead some laps get up front and just kind of learn that was my biggest plan so it wasn't so much like a season ending. I want to be, you know, top five in XC1 or top five overall or top three. It was more just those individual milestones along the way. Yeah, I mean, I obviously wanted to have a good overall finish at the end of the year, but it was more race, race by race. Like I wanted to be. Get in there, get in the mix, get your feet wet. Yeah, exactly. So. And now looking back, looking in the rearview mirror, is it safe to say situational circumstances aside your performance your results exceeded your expectations and honestly hopes um the beginning of the year I, I don't think so i mean i was probably i was content with my results before summer break but after summer break i feel like i improved and you know everyone's like oh you got second but like i didn't feel like i earned it until like the last couple races where i was actually up front and you know i led uh, the Baroque for a good bit and just battling up front is where I kind of like if in my opinion it, like, it made me feel like I actually like earned it so let's talk about that Baroque for a minute like you basically were in the driver's seat for most of that race what did that feel like and and compare if you will what it's like to lead and battle for the win and an overall win when you're in XC1 versus what it's like battling for a win in XC2 Comparable, completely different? Um, a little different. Just in XC2, you're not the first guy to every lapper. So it was kind of, you know, have they didn't know you were coming. Or they knew you were coming, but it was like you were the first guy. So um, that was a little strange. But it was cool just being able to be the first guy. And, like, it was you know, something I've always kind of dreamed about. So, um I was good when I first got into the lead, but when I got the white flag, I kind of got a little started thinking too much. So you say you started thinking too much. I'm going to ask you a question from a perspective that I'm the only person at this table that can understand, but probably everyone except for maybe one or two of our listeners um, will be with me on this that they can't understand either. Because we're sitting here, obviously, with you, with Ben Kelly, with Caleb Russell. They each have GNCC wins and championships so you were in a position then to get your first ever gncc overall win 
and also keep the dream alive, man. Like that was winning that race kept the championship hopes alive to go one more round. So in that, in that moment, in that battle on the last lap, not necessarily what's going through your mind, but was there the thought of the championship or was it really just, I mean, I know the two went hand in hand, but was that weighing on your mind at all as well? Like keeping the championship drive alive to start the race. Yeah. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to push it one more weekend or another race. But once I got up front and got into the lead, I'm like, I can freaking win this thing. So like it changed to where I just, I wanted to win. And it just so happened that Jordan was in second. So, um, it was like the, the dream scenario, but also the nightmare. Yeah, exactly. So, but, um, no, that race taught me a lot of stuff and like it, sure I was close and, you know, four miles, five miles, whatever it was, but, um, it taught me a lot. So I, uh, I know a guy sitting at the table right now, Caleb Ross, who said that losing that championship to the first one back in 2012 taught him so much that he felt it led him along the way. I've had conversations with, uh, so many guys that have been in that same situation. So, uh, it's interesting to hear that one of the first thing you said is you learned so much in that situation. Yeah. Just in like the last three races or even just that race itself, I just learned how to, to lead and, you know, handle some of the emotions. Obviously I need to work on the last lap, but, um, just the whole aspect of leading the race and, you know, being the first guy to a, like a mud hole or a nasty section where you're like, you can't just follow somebody through it where you got to read the, you know, the situation. So, um, I think that's an aspect of racing that gets overlooked oftentimes. And, you know, because there are uh, so many different, uh, sports where the guys that's the guys that are winning the race, um, it's, it's always, or at least in motorsports, it seems like there's only like these few that are always consistently up there and winning. Um, and, a, you know, there's a couple guys here and there that come along and, and can win and battle for wins. But um, they don't always put themselves in that position to, to feel the pressure all the time, and they're not used to it. Um, and I feel like the transition for Craig, uh, as he talked about those last three races, he put himself up there in the mix every one of those races <clears throat> where at the beginning of the year, he was back, you know, terrible starts. Fifth, sixth, you know. eighth. Yeah. When there was eight guys, he Fifth was eighth. We, we would, you know, hound him about it all the time. It's like, Hey, you got to get up there. You got to interject yourself into this race and battle with these guys up front and hang with them. That way, you, you know, you can do it. And especially down the stretch is the most important time of learning. Um, so I, I think it's very important to, to be able to, Put yourself in those positions your year one and, uh, you know, have that feeling of the pressure and what com- comes along with it and developing the racecraft late in those races. Because I think all the guys in XC1 have the ability to win races, um, some more than others, but it, it's, it's the pressure and having the understanding of uh, I've been there, I've done it, I know how to handle it. And, you know, coming from... I mean, obviously having experience, but also a bit of a layman in these terms, like I, I've admittedly said already on this podcast that I, for a long time, anytime I would get to lead, you know, back when I was a rookie, like in the middle of my career, even somewhat recently, I would literally start dry heaving. And that's not a, that's not an exaggeration. Like I would, and the funny thing was, there was a few times I didn't realize I was in lead, totally fine. 
as soon as I found out, like they give me a P1 or, you know, I'd kind of look around, take an assessment of where everyone was at. And look, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, then your head starts going like sure. a million miles and a I, second. And I'm, I'm, I had these, like these same feelings, like, you know, when you uh, were five. back in the youth class yeah, exactly. and yeah, 200 day. And like when you first move, it's not, it's not to talk down. on. No, no, I, I, I'm perfectly fine, but I'm I, making, even, I'm making light of myself yeah, or I, making I, fun I of myself, but this is hundred percent real. No, like, I'm is, not exaggerating. It, it was a physical reaction to an emotional, to experience. an emotional situation. Like you just realize you're like, man, like this is the dream. Never thought I'd be in this position. And you don't have these conscious thoughts. It was just like, literally I'm leading. Like I never puked, but it was legitimate dry heaves. Oh God, there's a tree. Let's hit it. No. And I mean, there was times where I'd actually lead for a while and and not make a mistake or not get past, but I would, it wasn't like consistent, but I'd go like another couple miles and I don't know if it like re-entered my brain or what, but there would just be like this. And I'm like, what is the matter with me? But I mean, obviously I'm sure a sports psychologist could tell me specifically what's wrong with me. In Caleb's words, I'm a sissy and he's not wrong. (laughs) Oh, come on. I, I think, uh, you know, some people learn how to refocus and readjust and uh, put it behind them. And it it, be, it it takes time. It doesn't just happen. Uh, it happens a lot sooner for some than others. But I, I feel like Craig, his last few races this year, he really, you know, rose to arose to the occasion and, and put himself in those positions to uh, harness that experience. And I, that's, that's what I was getting at with like the, the enormity of the pressure and the situation. Like, like I said, speaking from experience, I mean, I've won other series, won other races. I've won, you know, races in GNCC. Never, there was no XC2 or Pro-Am when I came up through, but I won races in A-class and B-class and all that. Never had that reaction. It was just at the top. And like you were in that position for the first time. And I, I, I can't even wrap my head around, not that it ever would have happened, but had I been in that position, leading for the first time, battling for a win for the first time, and also, oh yeah, by the way, there's this you know season championship hanging in the balance with only two rounds remaining. Yeah, I mean, the championship was there, but it was like, wow, you're 30 points behind. It was like I was 60 almost. So it was like I wasn't there, but I was it's, there. Yeah, it's still keeping the mathematical possibility. Yeah. Yeah, just like the year prior when you wanted to go race XC1 exactly, and yeah. leave the leave the potential XC2 championship on the on the table. Obviously, your team thought better of that. Yeah, but so um, round one national enduro is coming up a couple weeks. Sumter, we got a bunch of racing coming up. Yeah, we really do. And by the way, we were going to have uh, Josh Strang call into the show here in uh, about twenty more minutes. About twenty minutes, racing the full gas sprint enduro. At least round one. I'm not sure about the whole series. We'll get it from him. He's got some other big news for us, too. I don't know if we want to jump right to that, but... <clears throat> Josh does. Yeah. What, what would that be? Some questions we've been asking up until now, like that he may be able to confirm. Oh, or yeah. new teammates. Yeah, possible, new, possible teammate. new teammate. We've talked about it on both of our previous episodes, episode one and episode two. Does Grant Baylor have a home on the Babbitts? Johnny's leaving me in suspense. He Monster Energy, Kawasaki. Why? I think we should leave everybody in suspense. There's, we got 20 minutes, man. Let's hype it up. Is Grant Baylor on green? We don't know. Josh is going to tell us. We will find out. And he, you know, he's he's opened the uh, the Aussie Ranch. He's training some kids, so uh, he's got a little bit, uh, a, a few different things going on in his life. I know how hard it can be to uh, to race and help other people out at the same time. It is very difficult. Um, Josh has been around for a long time, so I'm interested to see what he's capable of and 
and how he feels going into 2023. I'm going to try and ask the hard questions too when we have him. Like, do it. We got we got you and Thad in here uh, a week ago and and talked about some of your rivalries and uh, another guy that you had some serious bar banging and even boot swapping, kicking back in the race in the 150 days or 125. Can't remember if it which it was. I think it was 125. 150. 150. There was no kicking. Wow. Kick. Figuratively. Just tried to run him into a truck. Elbows. Elbows uh, flying down down uh, pro pits. He wasn't mad. He he wasn't mad. He was mad about that. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, uh, I'm sure we'll talk allude more on th- yeah. on that. It was a, a a dumb move on my part, knowing what happened ex- transpired right after that. Like the next 20 seconds after I, um, he tried to make the pass on me. And I just you know, kept them going wide. Like I, I tell these guys all the time, I was like, just, just make a wide bike. Don't let them go. Don't let them ride around you. <laughs> yeah. Well, pretty much. We'll, we'll get into more of that. Wasn't but anything yeah. dirty, but he didn't like it. Well, yeah, it's, Hey, a lot of times when guys are scrapping, like we talked about wins on hey, the line, championships yeah. on the line, Trying like, to win the race. Yeah. I mean, and most times as we saw with you and Thad, uh, I, and I think, I mean, we'll let him get into it, but I think somebody else here, there, there might've been some beef with Josh, previously and and now it's it's funny how that works in racing like in one minute there's a lot of things said and then you're in a you know you're in a casual situation days weeks sometimes even hours later and like everything's cool tempers you know everybody wants to win that's what it comes down to yeah everybody wants to win uh the adrenaline's flowing it it, you're you get heated very quickly emotions run high when you're in the battle and I don't know if Ben's emotions ever run that high though when he's when he's out there. I think I heard him come off the track and say "darn it" one time. Nah, I, very rare maybe that I get upset or whatever. But <laughs> I feel like when I'm out there, my brain's just off, and I yeah, don't know. Just I try go. not to are, get are, into controversy. But are you like sometimes it happens? Are you just like inventing swear words like like uh, monstrous normandies? Like when you're out there, no, my, I'm I'm still uh, passing the lappers and saying thank you as I go by if they pull over for me. I, I do that as he well. He would be that Dude. guy. You don't say thank you sometimes. I don't oh. as much now. For those of you listening to the Inside Line podcast, if Ben and Craig come up on you at the Thanks, same time, man. one on the left, one on the right, take a look back. You see that 342 of Craig DeLong. Make sure you turn his way. Don't take him out, but make it a little easier for Ben to go by because Ben's gonna say thank you. Uh, I don't do it as much nowadays, but I try. If I'm, if I have enough breath. Then if, yeah, if it's not a thank you, a lot of times I'll drop a hand or or give him like one of these. If it's a section where you can. Yeah, well, you I, don't have to balance on a quad, so we get uh, that. Here we go. Mm, Quadist. Oh, <laughs> quadding. There was there were some wheelies ridden today at the ranch on a quad. There was some quadding going on. I don't know if you guys saw it. I saw it tipped up on the back in your trailer. No, no, no. That's no. all I saw. Yeah, yeah. That was after we loaded up, but previous to that, somebody was practicing their quadding. Okay. It wasn't me. Quad up. That's right. There's a song. We need it. There Have is. you heard it? Yeah. Okay. You've heard it? Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, MX versus ATV on the Yeah. Ca- Casper from the K, my dude from Kentucky. Quad up. Yeah. He made, he made like literally dozens of dollars on that song. <laughs> dozens of dollars. No, I actually, I think he had a fairly successful career there for a short time. I don't, I don't think he's a rapper anymore, but that was, that was so I've, I've tried to ask Craig like three times now, and Johnny's interjected and got us into the topic of quadding again. That's how I do it. I'm the quad guy. But we have National Enduro coming up. Oh. Craig's uh, one of the two factory Husqvarna, Rockstar Racing Husqvarna factory riders in the series. National Enduro, GNCC, correct? Correct. 
Are we looking forward to to the Enduros this year? Yeah. I, uh, I like the Enduros. They're fun. Some are better than others, but... Yeah, I feel like everybody kind of has the same... Maybe not everybody. I feel like most people have the same um, outlook on the National Enduros. Like, yeah, there's a, some of them that are like, man, it's the best stuff you, you've ever ridden. It's really fun. But they are very difficult at times, just reading the trail, ruining your brakes. Um, you know, it, you get lost out there very easily. And for those of you that obviously, I, th- I think most of the people um, listening to this show know what National Enduros are, but we we've actually have a lot of listeners uh, from Europe they have no idea what national enduros are. You know, they have World Enduro Championship, which we don't have that style of racing here. And hardly anybody, they just say, think of sprint enduros when you say World Enduro Championship. But the World Enduro Championship is not anything like American Enduro. If you want to break it down just so we have a, a baseline here. Yeah, so there's six tests throughout the day. And... Um you start test one, fin- you know, where they tell you go, and then you go till they tell you to stop, and then you transfer for a little bit, get some gas, and then you do it again five more times throughout the day. Yeah, so, and they're six to, you know, what, 15 miles right Yeah, right they there? can be um, five to ten. They've kind of shortened it since. Yeah, I always, I always really enjoyed the shorter ones, which were still like 15 minutes long. Like yeah. the actual test from check-in to check-out is like, there, there was a few short ones this year. I did notice, like, but there was there was a couple races that uh, seemed like they had like twenty five to thirty some minute tests too, and those were the ones where, you know, I would just absolutely kind of shit the bed and just get mentally lost out there. And a guy like Russell Bobbitt would just put a minute on me. I remember leading a race, having a minute going in the last test, and I lost by like eighteen seconds. But ended up losing the day by 18 seconds. So he beat me by a minute 18. Yeah. It's easy to do. It's like you think you're having a good day, you're having a good test and you come in and you Stuart Rampy by 40 seconds. Yeah. You, 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 you have no idea where you stand out there. I think that's what was always so frustrating for me and national Enduros. Having only ever been to two NEPG national Enduros, I think for me from the outside looking in, I've never raced them. Um, the big difference, obviously, I've been, well, not obviously, but I've been to six days four times now, four years, maybe five, actually, um, and countless U.S. Sprint Enduros and, and full gas Sprint Enduros. The biggest difference actually isn't during the race. It's the prep. Like, to me, like, when you go to a Sprint Enduro, when you go to a World Enduro, when you go to ISDE, everyone walks the tests. Like, by the time you start racing, maybe the tests, the tests basically memorize turn for turn, rut for rut. Um, National Enduros, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's completely blind. Yeah. Yeah. You just roll up Sunday morning and you're like, all right, I'm going to go as fast as I can. Is that a rule or is it just nobody wants to walk? So you're not actually allowed to walk the tests? Yeah. There used to be rumors that some people used to like show up to the race early and walk the test, but now it's, they made an actual rule about it. So it's, yeah, everything's blind. Yeah. I mean, that brings in a whole nother element. I mean, you're reading trail at speed with no concept of what's around the next turn or next dip. I think, I think that's a huge difference. Yeah. You're just looking for the arrows with the, uh, the, the national, the start of the national enduro ser- series on the horizon. What, uh, what are your expectations going into 2023? Is this a championship that you want to really make yourself or put yourself in contention for and, and focus on? I know it's, it's, I, 
it's sort of like a secondary se- series for most, almost like filler time uh, in a sense. But, you know, some guys take it really seriously, like Stu and Grant. Obviously, Grant Baylor is um, an animal when it comes to national enduros. He has become very good at them, which is wild to me because he rides the bike so awkwardly. I don't understand how he goes so fast in the tight trees. I, I mean, the, the word on the street is the Baylors don't ride around the trees. They just run them over. Right through and, the trees. And I understand that's like a joke to a degree, but I've seen videos. I've seen pictures. Like yes. they say anything smaller around than your calf or my calf, not Grant's or Stu's calves because they're much bigger. But <laughs> they just either rip them out of the ground or, or bend them right over. And, you know, judging by you look back through the previous several seasons of National Enduro Champions and their names are there again and again. So something they're doing is, is working in that format. Are you, do you think you're going to have, have anything in the tank in these national enduros to step up and, and challenge these Baylor, Baylor boys? It's back like to Baylor to boys racing again. Huh? I said it's, it's going to be Baylor boys racing in national enduros. Yeah. I'd like to say I do. Um, last year I didn't feel like I wrote it as well as I should have, but um, I think I have what it takes. I mean, the enduros are... It's uh, like you said earlier. It's it's different than the GNCCs. It's it's a different almost mentality. Like you come in from a test and you gotta like think like you're just starting a day over again. So um, you could have a good first test and then the second test you're thirty seconds off. So um, you know we'll wait and see. I'm, it's uh, we'll find out, I guess. And and Ben sitting here, it's got to be a completely different attitude this year going into the national enduros yeah this one i can't kind of wait to hear you know you 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 did you had a good start to the season uh sumter wasn't the greatest yeah but you come out and you won the second round yeah and i mean like i said there are times where i don't know i don't enjoy going to those races all the time but um the fact that i'm doing racing them like i want to put forth a good effort and like last year i really did you know, round one didn't go well. Well, I got like seventh or eighth, but uh, I rode some tight woods before round two and, and actually focused on it for a little and, and had a good race. And uh, that kind of flipped the switch to where I wanted to um, to put in a good effort, like I said, and, and try to win that championship. I don't want to just be out there just to be out there. Like anything I do, I want to give it my best foot forward. And I was trying to do that. And at round three, yeah, apparently uh, trying too hard or trying to go too fast, and yeah, I crashed and that ended my my season. But you know, going going in the new year, I'm I want to go out there and and fight for the championship. I have you know a hand or a few wins at that series, so I know I can. So yeah, I I was just curious to see. Um, obviously, last year the injury was very tough. Racing a series that you're not all in mentally at so to speak not that you don't want to go not that nobody wants to go there and not do as good as they can you know when I raced them I was like if I'm going to do it I'm going to do it as good as I can possibly do I'm going to put the most effort that I can to do it well uh I just it's it's tough though when you have that big of an injury and boom it's like I already maybe didn't really like what I was doing that much, and then I went and did that. Let me let me tell you something I'm surprised by. Because you and I hadn't talked about this previously. There was no 
prep work coming into this, when I asked that, or when that question was asked, I was fully expecting number one, something about the injury. Number two, how it affected, you know, obviously your season as a whole and other series, obviously GNCC being the, the primary, you were six, six and oh to that point. But your answer was 100% National Enduro. I want to win there. I know I can win there. And to me, that says a lot about your mindset. Like it wasn't, I mean, I'm sure obviously if you would sit down and have a comprehensive conversation about how that affected your life and all that. But when you were asked the question, like, hey, what do you think about coming into National Enduro? Your response is like, well, you know, yeah, I haven't really done as well in that series, but I want to win. If I'm going to do it, I want to win. And there was no mention of any of the peripheral stuff. So I don't know. From For me, that shows a lot about your mindset coming in. Like you're already focused on, hey, we're going racing. I want to win this thing. Yeah, I think with any major injury, it's this one especially, big trauma comes with it. And I'm going to have to work through that throughout this whole year, I'm sure, until, until I'm not in pain anymore or, or who knows. But, uh, yeah, I feel like any athletes or – or with what we do, especially you need to have a short memory. And, uh, whenever you have like a gnarly crash or injury, you have to quickly forget. So, so you're not thinking about that because you have to be so, so focused when you're riding or racing, um, that if you have any other, other thoughts in your mind, you're either going to crash or you're going to go slow. So, uh, just trying to put that behind me and, and yeah, focus on both, both series as best I can. I obviously, seem to enjoy GNCC a little bit more, but those are grueling as well and not all that awesome while you're racing, but I, I like the head to head racing. So that's what, that's what I enjoy, you know, racing against the clock and all it's cool because it's, it's just up to you, but I like the head to head and, and the racecraft racecraft aspect. So I think that's why I lean towards GNCC a little more, but, um, yeah, I want to give my, my best effort in both series to, Look at you too. Like it, you couldn't be more different. Like in terms of how you got. Now I'm not talking about your height, Craig. Um, <laughs> you could see Craig was getting a little defensive before he even knew where I was going with that. Like, what are you talking about, Ben? Like, you come yeah. from obviously, you know, the Trail Jester team, New England, J Day guy coming up through. You guys had is it Nitra, I believe. Netra, Netra. So you have. So, oh, sorry, Nitra, Netra. Nito. Well, oh. it's it's what Citra. Is the yeah, southern that's why I thought yeah. that, but Caleb's over there laughing at me because I said Nitra. Sorry, Netra. Any Netra people tuned in? The I apologize. Not, I didn't know. There's no. There's not an A. What? Yeah, Let there me. is at the end. In the middle. No, like neat. Um, oh, 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 gotcha. Netra. Sorry. Um. So, and there were some enduros there that you ran as well. Like you have because they have hair scrambles and enduros. They have enduros. But at Netra, the Enduros are classic where it's timekeeping. Okay, timekeeping. So that's a whole other thing we don't even want to get into because that'll just just confuse our viewers. I'm just saying I never got into that because it was the whole registering your bike thing. And yeah, I just never really got into that. Well, that kind of further proves my point. Like J-Day's hair scrambles there. Then you transition to GNCCs with the Trail Jesters team. You know, we were were just talking about the Baylor's brother, Baylor Brothers Racing. How about the uh, DeLong Brothers? Your brother has a National Enduro title previously. And, you know, you're looking at potentially fighting for one here. You guys want to, like, battle the Baylor brothers at some point? Andrew and Craig DeLong versus Stu and Grant Baylor and, and like, throw down here in the woods? What do we got going on? Like, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, Andrew's not really in quite fighting shape anymore. But I think he actually is in fighting shape, maybe just not on a dirt bike. Yeah, probably. He can, Grizzly bear shape. Yeah, he's ready to fight anytime. He's just a little more plump than he used to be. <laughs> Oof. You think he's listening? 
He probably will, but he, he's dri- I, he's he does a lot of time in the truck now, right? Yeah, Driving. I, I tell him that to his face, so it's okay. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think he could still take you. Oh, for oh. sure. I, rem- I remember hearing some stories about little brother. Oh, yeah. He was hard on you, man. Well, you saw when I was when we lived together in Daytona. Yeah, there was there was moments. I I intervened a few times. Like it was that bad. Like I get it, it's brothers, but like I could. I don't know. To me, like I'm a softy for sure, Mr. PC, Mr. Softy, and like Andrew was a tough guy. Like he's he's like a junkyard dog, man. And you were just a little puppy at that point, and he was just being too hard on you. And I was like, "Yo, bud, like back up. Let me handle this. Go do your thing." And you and I talked. And look where you are now, man. Like he's got to be proud of you, though. Your dad as well. Like, but but you came up as an enduro guy. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my brother he did the old he did old school timekeeping enduros locally, and then. GNCCs was like, like oh, we'll try it for a year, and he got support. And then um, since he was going, I just tug along. So um, yeah, been been here ever since, pretty much. But um, worked out all right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, yeah, like like you said, I've done Enduros for ten, twelve years. And you have a championship, and was Pro Two, Pro Two. So I mean, you've got the pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. So so nonchalant always. It's like in, you, you it's just in the long bloodline. That's right. <clears throat> sort of like it's like the Baylors and the Russells. My dad and I we have a championship. Oh, that's true. That's true. I mean, maybe crew someday. He could make it a father son gig. Maybe. It would be a trio then. Yeah. Hey, we gotta take a second, thank our sponsors, Carry Carry Resources. Craig's a carry rider. Uh been working with Gary. With shout Car- out Gary and yeah, Caitlin, shout out to Gary and Kelly. <clears throat> Thank you guys very much. Carry Resources, they're dedicated to the growth and success of their communities while also being involved with the off-road racing world. Uh, Check out their available assets and website at carryresources.com. Everybody stay tuned. We'll be right back with Josh Drang. We'll get him on the line. All right, welcome back, guys. We are calling up Josh Drang right now, getting him on the line, going live. Our second call-in guest. Hello. Strang, what's going on? Welcome uh, to the inside line. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what am I, I guess, two or three or something? You're calling your uh, caller number two. Yeah, call in guest number two. Um, but uh, Yep. So uh, welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, yeah. yeah, not too bad. Just uh, getting – actually, you just called me before I head off to bed. That's what happens. Johnny, I'm surprised Johnny's still awake. Actually, he's older than me. He should be in bed already. I'm retired, bud. I'm so, going partying after uh, this. <laughs> he's, he's getting ready to fly out to Vegas. It is. It is. Oh, Vegas. That's trouble. I'm not actually. Whatever age you go out there. Uh, I'm not actually going to Vegas. I mean, I am sort of. I'm, uh, race, I'm racing the works in Prim, which is like 30 minutes outside. Uh, when's that? Next weekend? Yeah. Next weekend, I'll be racing next, oh, nice. next Sunday. So. Yeah, nice. That track is... Uh, if they're getting all that rain, it'll be fun. But I think you race there too, Caleb, right? It's yeah, it's one different. of the better yeah, it's one of the better works. Yeah, that uh, yeah, venues yeah. that they go to. I feel like yeah, yeah. It's and not, I think if it uh, it's definitely fast, but it's not one of the the fastest ones. It actually has it's quite yeah. turny and you know kind of pumps up pretty good. It's it you can find that flow without really scaring yourself going wide up wide open. I feel like. 
Yeah, and I think if the wet like that, I think that's why they have it this time of year because the weather can sometimes be like good where once it rains out there, it gets better. Yeah. So I'm hoping for a full month. Yeah. Like a full. That's impossible. <laughs> they, they will call it a mutter. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to Glen Helen yeah. and it rained. It, it rained make- a ton, and they were like, "Oh, this is a mutter." I was like, "This is like perfect." Now there's, yeah, I think there's I, I think I remember bumps, that one too. So. But anyways, we got yeah. Josh Strang oh. on the show tonight. Josh, what uh, what's what's happening? How was uh, I know 2022? You were another yet another rider that was struck by injury, um, and it was a, a very strange one. You know, you came back there and then you kind of were sidelined again with this same issue. It never healed. Yeah, uh, 2020 was a far oh, yeah, out man. It was a probably worse mentally than than the actual physical break itself you know so uh um that break uh florida i don't know what it was halfway through the race the lapper ran into me and just pushed me into a tree and just snapped my arm and uh got surgery and then honestly i did not really sure what happened looking back at it i think i may have got released a little early uh and then i just didn't get pulled up when I should have got pulled up looking back at it now, uh, which is easy to do once you've, you've already gone, gone past it and you start looking back at everything that you have in your hands to look at. Uh, I really should have been pulled up probably before the Hoosier. So probably before I even started racing again. Um, but I, I was just told it was all good and I was good to keep riding until it was that far gone that <laughs> it was probably worse than what it was when I snapped it in I the first place. So, yeah, so uh, ended up just getting um, a different opinion and um, a specialist in Charlotte fixed it up. And honestly, once he fixed it up, he he didn't want me doing anything for, I think it was about 12 weeks where I did pretty much absolutely nothing. So um, it was hard. Definitely, a, like I said, more mentally tough last year than anything to try and get through it. And then now getting back into it, it's a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Once you lose that much time on the bike, especially, you know, you're, you're on the, uh, the, the early thirties this year. Yeah. Coming, coming back from injury, um, starting from ground zero without that base of, you know, having time on the bike and that, uh, that, that forward, um, that or that very high intense intensity on on the motorcycle. It's I feel like it's one of the toughest spots to just come from zero back to that. Yeah, it, it yeah it is. So it uh, it'll be a I think it'll be a long season <laughs> this one. So uh, I'm excited that I'm back riding and that sort of stuff. But yeah, as far as being back to where I was when I was racing you in 2020 and even, uh, the beginning of last year, I just, I just, uh, I think it's going to take a little longer than, um, what's the first round four weeks away. I just think it's going to take a little longer than four weeks, um, to get back up to some sort of speed and competitiveness, which, which sucks. But, uh, um, that's, I mean, that's part of the game, you know, getting injured, um, for the well shit last year, it seemed like, like you said, almost everyone in the XC1 class was injured at some stage. So I guess last year was just the time to do it. 
Yeah, if you were going to do it, it was a season nobody wanted to win. Everybody everybody just tried to yeah. hurt themselves. Oh, yeah. Something, something in the water. Josh, I got good yeah. news for you. Uh, you said four weeks isn't really enough for you to be in winning shape. Luckily, you have five. There, there's five weeks no, until five. GNCC round yeah. one. So, I mean, you, that extra week, I mean, that, that could be it could, it could, it could make it. Yeah, it could do. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll keep positive. How's the, um, how's the, uh, the Aussie ranch going? Uh, if you want to, if you want to walk us through that, cause I, I'm sure, you know, a, a lot of listeners in, including myself, um, I know, uh, you, you have a bunch of guys over there at the old JGR track and, um, a bunch of you guys ride there. Uh, let us know what's going on with that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I mean, obviously what two or three years ago now, the, the JGR team closed down and I, well, you used to ride that track as well. So, uh, I used to get to go there like once or twice a week and ride, and uh, it was pretty fun. There was a stage towards the end there where I felt their motocross track <laughs> was a little, yeah, sketchy, and then like like they kind of put fake bumps in it. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I just did. I kind of stopped going there towards the end. Um, but I saw one day I was, I don't know, it came across online and it was for sale. I'm like, man, that place would be sick to buy. Um, obviously, it's the going rate for property around here is like 10 an acre. Um, so for me, <laughs> not winning eight championships, I couldn't afford anything like that. Um, <laughs> I, I, so it, I, I couldn't afford that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was just, it was just something that I was like, Oh, that'd be cool. Hopefully someone gets it that whatever wants to like to ride and maybe we can start riding on it. And, uh, the Ridden family, the Aussie other, Reardon boys, Will and Gus, um, their family from Australia came over and they bought a house uh, not far from me here in Denver. And um, Paul brought it up to me back in, I guess it was December 2021, I think. Um, asked if I knew anything about the property. And I was like, well, yeah. I was like, all I know is that if I could buy it, I would buy it. Um, and then so I ended up being, um, him and I went in on, I have a small percentage of the property and, and we went in and bought it. Uh, now it's called AUS Ranch, uh, abbreviated for Australia, obviously, because it's just a bunch of Aussies uh, that had bought it. Uh, and, yeah, pretty much just running – just kind of running the show. So we had the Supercross track rebuilt and uh, the Phoenix Honda guys come out and do a bit of riding there. Uh, we'll build a – um, really, really massive cross track. Yeah, I have. Lucky, I've been injured all year, last year because I, unfortunately, I didn't get to ride it. But I wasn't too upset about it because yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly looking. So it's uh, fun to ride around. Uh, it's not fun to really try. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there's the enduro cross track. Then we put a woods loop in, and then we have the irrigated motocross track too. So it's 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 actually perfect for what we all need it needed to do. And, um, really I got it, got it, tried to get in as an investment. Um, like for right now it's perfect cause I'm still riding and racing, <clears throat> but the, this area is expanding so much with neighborhoods and housing and everything. I really got in, in as an investment for like 10 or 15 years down the road. Once the, all the housing markets, expands out to that area and and uh we get ready to sell that you know so uh, for right now it's perfect for what i'm looking to do and what the reasons were looking to do uh and it's 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 been 
good. As you know, sometimes it's hard to find places to ride. Uh, and then this was kind of there already set up for us and everything. We had to put in a woods loop and, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's actually a lot more work than I – just there's more things to keep up there than what you would kind of expect. And um, Paul Ridd, he's kind of – I don't think he's retired, but once he's on the East Coast, he's kind of on vacation mode. So he kind of takes care of all the irrigation stuff and the mowing and the, just the general upkeep of the property. Uh, and the boys – Lyndon and Gus and all those guys love to get on the machinery. Uh, and I'm usually walking around with a machete or a chainsaw or, a, or something manual. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I would. So, I, 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 I give the machete and the uh, the whoppers to the guys, and I, I get on the skid steer. You got, you got it backwards, yeah. Josh. But no, that sounds mm. like a really. It's obviously I've I've been there. I know uh, the old JGR plant ranch very well. Um, now, now called the, the Oz, Oz ranch, but, uh, they had a lot of infrastructure that JGR built out there. Um, it was very cool. Uh, perfect location, ideal. And it makes uh, a whole lot of sense to, uh, capitalize on that and, uh, have that, that property, uh, as, as some sort of investment because that area is blowing up and it was on the cheaper side. Uh, you know, it's north of Lake Norman in North Carolina, which is very high dollar, very ritzy. Um, yeah, so that Statesville area right there, definitely a good location. Yeah. Central to all the races, too. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, like the whole reason why why I moved to this area was because it's fairly central for, for the GNCC racing. I mean, you're originally from Ohio and you moved down here as well, you know, so it's like, the, the weather gets cold, but it doesn't get unbearable in the wintertime. Uh, in the summertime, it's it's about perfect, you know. So for me, and it reminds me of home around here too, so that's why I like it here. So just to get involved in that and, and uh, uh, it, for me, it's it was a no-brainer really. You, you say it reminds you of home. I, I would imagine it does because you're surrounded by quite a few Aussies most of the time. Let's talk no. about that a little bit. Um, obviously, it's, it's the Aussie explosion and the Aussie explosion. I mean, how many? How many? The invasion. Aussie, you guys are like Aussie kangaroos. Invasion. Like yeah. uh, we we import one of you, and the next thing you know, you're just how many everywhere. women you got over there? You guys are just multiplied. <laughs> no, no. Seriously though, like if if we talk about um, you know Australians in the off road racing world here in the United States, I mean, obviously from unless there was somebody before Shane Watts, obviously probably the the OG um, Glenn Kearney. Well, I think Watts was, was here after, before. Yeah, after Glenn. It, Kearney was before Watts? No, after. Oh, yeah, yeah. After so Watts. Shane Watts, then yeah. Kearney. Um, and then obviously you were kind of right in that that right after Kearney. Um, and now it's like you guys make up like 72% of, of the GNCC racers. Tell us a little bit about that and how does it feel to know that like you were at least part of what paved the way for these guys to come, guys and gals to come over? Yeah, it's uh. So there, there is one guy before Watts here. It was Jeff Ballard, and I, I don't wait, know if wait he a ever minute. Joff, Ball, Joff Ballard was Australian. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that, I did. this is what I was going to bring I, up. I forgot about and Jeff. I met him at the uh, Six Days one time. I, I knew Joff, and he raced for the USA at the Six Days. Oh, that had to be a conflict of interest. I uh, I can't remember if it was for a club or for a trophy, but if someone does, I tried to do some research. Uh. And I'm pretty sure he raced for a trophy team for the U.S. one year. And it was – I don't know how he got around it. 
but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty certain that happened. <laughs> so let me tell so you just how old I, I am. Uh, Joff Ballard, Johnny Martin, which is Jeremy and uh, Alex Alex Martin's father, who owns Spring Creek MX. They were factory Can-Am riders back in the day, and Joff Ballard was a bad dude. I can remember rooting him and Johnny Martin and uh, so many. This is back in the Eddie Lojack days. Bob Sloan. Um, Bob, Bob Sloan was an ATV guy. These were all dirt bike guys. Caleb, <laughs> well, I'm, stop! I'm stop just, trying I'm to be a quadist and talk about quadding. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I actually, I, I guess I just never wrapped my head around. I was a young kid at the time. Obviously, I, I had no ideas from Australia. I just knew he was a factory Can-Am guy, and their their bikes yes. were so cool back then. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so it's GB and then Watsy GK, uh, myself, and then there was kind of a a lull, I guess you could say in in Aussies coming over. And I think it was because at the time, like Milner and Pricey and Phillips, when they were still all racing in Australia, they were making good money. So the, like the reason I came over here in the first place was that, well, for one, I wanted to always race in either Europe or the U S growing up. And, and the opportunity to make money here in the U S is, was far greater than making it, being able to make it in Australia. They're just a lot more races, more, just more people, everything, you know? So, uh, I think the people, they just kind of stopped coming, um, from like, well, 08 through to 14, 15, I guess, maybe even later. And, uh, so I, I always, GK always like Glenn, uh, he, he's, he like threw me a line, a massive line when I came over, he like put his head on the chop log, said, give Strang a ride, um, he'll be worth it or whatever, you know, to the Suzuki guys. And and so they believed GK. So I really felt like I owed something to some Australians or whoever, you know. So I, I've always tried to get people to come over and just have a go. So like Lyndon, I think Lyndon was at contract year in Australia with KTM and and he come. They came over in 2019 to do a rock, just to do a couple of races. And at the end of the year, I'm like, I'm like, dude, if you're not getting paid any money in Australia, why wouldn't you come to the US and just race for free? Same as same thing you're doing in Australia. You can make cash at a mid east or whatever. Like you can make enough money to live throughout the week. And if nothing happens, you just go back to Australia and get a job. Um, and so I just felt like I've tried to do my part and give back to the Aussies that are trying to get over here. And, um, since Lyndon come has come over, uh, Mason's here now as well. Uh, the Ridden boys are already, they've been here in the U S on the West coast for a few years. So, uh, I just think the opportunity, uh, currently again, like the, the racing in Australia has kind of died off a little bit. There's not as much money going around. And I think the opportunity to come to the U S has, has, uh, grown again and is more uh people think it's a a good idea again yeah yeah it's more it's more it's back to being prevalent and uh the uh well, it's the aorc right that's what you call it. it's, yeah yeah that's it so in, in in 2020 that that whole uh organization all pretty much because australia with the covid times um it, it took a really hard hit and are they back to racing? Has that recovered? Yeah. 
<laughs> not, not well. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Ju- judging I, by the Tony voice, really, it's not. I well, really, no, I, I don't think so. I, it's not back like the money Milner and Pricey were making. Even I think Linden maybe in eighteen. They the money's just I don't know where the money's gone because there's still tons of people racing at home and they're still buying stuff. I just feel like the the whole the whole racing series at home is done different than it is here. Like here, uh, racer productions put on the Gene C and NEPG. Then there are hell even the two sprint series. It's one. It's ran by one promoter, well, like a single promoter. So it's more like so. Every, it's, it's it's almost like a club back there. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it in Australia, that motorcycle in Australia have the AORC championship, but each round is ran by a club. So I think every track's kind of set up a little different. Uh, they have some different rules in different there's, states they go to. There's not. Uh, it's just the, not the consistency isn't there across. The yeah, board. yeah, and it's not like a business. Like so, race production is a business, and it's ran the same way every weekend. You know. And I just think in Australia, I think it's a bit hit or miss. Like if it's too wet, they'll cancel it. Or if that, if it's too dusty, they'll cancel it. Or I think they have some races that are scheduled for like cross-country events, like three-hour events. And again, if it's too wet or too dusty, they'll turn it into a sprint. So it's like there's too many opportunities for whoever's running the show to change the rules. Yeah, so definitely. I just think it's... Yeah, I just don't think it's at at this stage. It's just not not the too many variables. Too many variables and too many hands in the cookie jar. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, so, it, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, it, we're not putting words in your mouth, but it sounds like maybe Australian off road could use a little under. I don't know, re- review, change, whatever it may be, in terms of the strength of the series. But look at the riders that are produced out of Australia. Uh, in the last decade and and their success here in the States, internationally and world enduro. And obviously when you pit the countries against each other, Australia's had phenomenal success recently, maybe not the last two years, but prior to that, you know, you guys were always in contention at the international six days enduro. So there's a lot of talent there. It's just, uh, yeah, seemingly the organization may be struggling a little bit to find its way. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the best way to put it. And I mean, the thing is, it'd be cool if there was such an event like the six days that was cross-country oriented instead of just sprints. Because the reason the Aussies are so good at six days is because all they do is sprint. They All they do is sprint, you know. So it's it's almost now that the U.S. has their sprint series and they focus a little more on the six days than they did 10 years ago, they are more competitive. But... Just to the clarify Aussies, there, what do you mean by all the Aussies do is sprint? Like, is it, the format well, is different at home? Yeah, so the AORC, their, their Australian Championship, it's just sprints. That's, yeah. Depending on the weekend, Unless, sometimes it could be a, a, a hair scramble. Gotcha. What they yeah, but it. if it's if it's too if it's too dusty, it'll go to a sprint. So, so <laughs> no matter what it's scheduled, it sounds like they just lean towards you show up. Yeah, you, yeah. Sh- you show up and you see what you got. All right, fair enough. Pretty much. So it's uh, and I think this this year twenty three. I don't think they have any uh, cross country scheduled. Uh, so yeah, so pretty much the series at home is just sprint. We would call it the sprint series if it was here. How's how's the quadding over there? 
Josh, a lot, Ooh, lot of quadders. Quadding. quadding. Yeah, so my, my old man sells a ton of quads, but they're all for farmers, you know. So you're farmers saying wear, I, I don't wear have big a, hats. They have racks put, on. Put dogs on the back. My, yeah, re- my retirement plans do not include a second career <laughs> in Australia as a professional TV uh, racer. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe. So, actually, there was talk of a Aussie jeans, Aussie cross-country series this year, and they were going to have a quad class, actually. That was the talk, but I haven't heard of this. I haven't heard anything out of the series for probably a month or two, so I'm not sure what's happened to it. Well, if they were going to have one, they could just call it the YZF 450 quadding class. Yeah, <laughs> you could put a Honda sticker on it. Yeah, whatever you want. Really. Isn't that what Phoenix do? Yeah. Hashtag red is dead. <laughs> red is dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, uh, leading into next year, what's uh, or do we do we plan to see you back with the Babbitts Kawasaki team, and uh, for how long? Uh, what what's your, what's your what's your goal here with uh, with racing? Obviously, we're we're well into the career. You've made you've had one hell of a time in the U.S. the United States of America, making a career out of racing a motorcycle. Um, something that might not have you might not have thought was attainable, won a GNCC championship, have had great success along the way. How, how much longer can we uh, sustain this? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so I have this 23 with the Babbitts team. Uh, and then, the, honestly, the goal was before this injury was to continue for, I mean – two or four more years because I, I, that was the plan was to continue. And so this year, like I said, it's been a struggle to try and get back up to speed already. So it's still pretty early in the, uh, the coming back side of things. So we just have to see how this year goes. Uh, I was still up until the crash last year, I was still having a blast racing, which like at this point in my career is probably more important than, than just trying to win every weekend because uh, I tried that for a hell of a lot of years <laughs> and it was and it was hard. Um, so I think, honestly, I would like to keep racing uh, if the opportunity was there and I'm still having fun and still able to make uh, good results every weekend. I would like to race for another two or three more years, you know, and, and that all depends as well on injuries uh, like the one last year really – I feel like really set me back. Um, yeah, when you're missing than I wanted. Three, yeah, when you're missing three quarters of the season, it's uh, it's it's hard to overcome. Especially, you know, when you're young, you you bounce back fairly quickly, and people are still interested. You know, you you still got to go out there at your age now because you are you're still very capable. I feel like, but there's always that. You know, Josh is old. Uh, no offense, but obviously age happens. I understand that. But it's 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 going to be that you know you can come out and and put in good good results and I, I feel like you're still very much in the realm of being uh, competitive. I wouldn't count you out. That's for sure. I you know I I know especially when you when you get going, uh, you kind of get gritty and you find your groove and you can click off some wins, and uh, especially when you're comfortable. Um, I, I feel like you could be a threat to uh, to definitely still win races. But uh, we'll see what holds, uh, you know, we'll see how you bounce back from this injury. And, you know, if you, I feel like if you're the type of guy when, if you start off on the right foot, you're going to, somebody's going to have to deal with you all year long. 
Josh, if we can, let's talk briefly uh, about your win in 2022. Um, let me frame this for you, though, before you kind of give us your perspective on it. Um, we talked about coming into the the 2021 season was the first season in the post Caleb Russell era. Um, a lot of guys kind of were on that short list of of who are the championship contenders, not not necessarily contenders, but who are the front runners. Your name very high on that list. Obviously, you know, kind of almost waiting in the wings was a term that people used. Uh, era parent, you know, yourself, Stu, Ben Kelly. Obviously, in in 2021, didn't work out for you. 2022, you come out swinging second in round one, then the injury. Um, when you came back, your your win there was actually right at the time. Granted, you weren't in the championship fight because you'd missed so many rounds, but your win was right after Ben's injury. And people started talking about, like, who's going to establish themselves? And, like, you were the first one to capitalize. Like, what it, do you think any of that played into it or it was just the opportunity of you being back on the bike, racing, kind of racing yourself up to speed there and then saying, like, all right, this is this is a good day for me and I'm going to capitalize on it? Or tell us about that day a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, so – I mean, just 21 briefly was, like you said, it was a, I feel like I was a championship contender. And in that year, for whatever reason, I had really strange mechanicals that I have, I hadn't had for the 14 years previous that, that just happened. And it's like, for whatever reason, 21 just wasn't, wasn't my year. And we had those, the, like I said, a few mechanicals. Um, I think BK ran into me one, uh, one of the Georgia races, and he's here. We've we've got yeah, BK this, in studio and Craig DeLong, by the way. So we'll, we'll have to clear some of this up because Johnny, yeah. and I, we're we're trying to we're trying to get the to the bottom of some things here. Yeah, we're not we're not looking yeah, to not, we're looking, not looking to stir, to stir, the, stir pot. the pot. We just kind of want to skim the fat off the top. Once and it's obviously, boiling. obviously, you and I, we've we've had our fair share of run-ins. Yeah, we're going to talk we, about we, that too. Yeah, yeah. We've we settled those. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so so BK yep. ran into you the one race and, and beyond yeah, that. So that was the so that was the well at Georgia and yeah, so he ran into me there and then there was a couple uh at the Hoosier, I just blew a chain guard apart. And it's like I couldn't do that if I rode into a rock garden like flat out, you know. So it's just like shit was happening. That just didn't really happen before. So 21 was kind of just whatever, not my year. And then uh, last year, coming back from the injury, uh, once Ben had crashed out, like, I mean, I follow the National Enduro. On the Sunday, the National Enduro runs, I look at the results and you see the times come in and you're like, I forget who, which one didn't come in first. I was like, shit. I was like, Stu didn't come in that test. I wonder what happened. I was like, ah, maybe his Pfizer flew off or something. And then I look at look again, and I'm like, shit. Now Ben didn't come in, and then so they both get injured, and then you all like all I can think about straight away is like, why the why the f did I have to crash in Florida? You know, like out of all these years chasing Caleb around, and I don't know how many second places I have got to Caleb, and that guy like you, ne- there was never a time where you got injured. <laughs> like halfway through the year and it's like I think I finished second to you three times maybe and it's like the year that I crash out where I feel like I could have because Stu crashed out the first round so he was the other favorite I feel like last year it's like Ben crashes out halfway through the year why couldn't I 
just have finished Florida in fucking 10th place. Like, who cares? Like, 10th place, I would have been happy. But it just happens like that. So as far as the the Panton race goes, honestly, I wasn't even – I didn't even feel like I was back up to speed yet there. I think with the rain and all that sort of stuff, I just I, – I was just smarter than those guys. And you've historically, um, ever since I, I've known you, you've always done very well. Uh, uh, the Pinton was your first race win. You didn't get accredited for it. No. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you've historically always always done very well there. Um, yeah, obviously that year, what was it? 2008, the mutter. Yeah. Yeah. Was Paul Wibley mysterious. That one was a real, you at that, that one was a line. real mutter. Yeah. yeah. We're going to talk yeah. about controversy apparently. <laughs> well, I was just throwing it out there. I mean, <laughs> well, but, that one's, that one's, that one's a known. One. That one's a known. One. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like we, uh, Josh Strang wants to, uh, keep it going. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly, and I, like I tell everybody, and I've said it every time we've had this podcast now, is like, if I could continue, if I wasn't as successful as I was, I would for sure still be racing. You know, it's something that I, you can't replace, the adrenaline, the feeling of being successful, or and winning, or not being successful, but winning races. You're never going to replace that, but I was always scared that there'd be a, a time and a point where I would not be able to win, and I was—that's I, what scared me. Yeah, I didn't want to put myself in the position where I was yeah. not capable of winning. Josh, we we talked with uh, Thad Duvall on our last episode. Um, Thad's 33, I believe. You said you're 35 or turning 35. Yeah, I'll be 35 in April. Okay, so 34 going on 35. I uh, just like to point out. I know uh, someone you worked with back in the day. I believe he was still with Suzuki when when you were uh, riding for them. Rodney Smith um, was you know winning races and won a GNCC championship at forty one years old. So much I mean, different times. Much different. Agree. Yeah, but diff- different different I, times. I, I but get yeah. that. But facts are facts, yeah. man. Like it's yeah. it's not that it's impossible. I you're you're not. Hey, wrong. hey wouldn't you're that wouldn't wouldn't that be something? That would be wild. I, I don't think it would be um, as unrealistic as Jordan Ashburn winning a championship. Uh, that what what I, I'm I'm not trying. I, I like I like Jordan. Maybe that came off a little. I, I little think brash I don't there. think unrealistic That's is what you meant. I think unlikely. Unlikely. Very. Yes. Yeah. What you you you've been around before Jordan Ashburn. What are your thoughts on Jordan this season, him winning the championship? What are your takeaways from that? Um, I, I mean, I props to the guy, honestly. Uh, he, shit, if, even if he wasn't the fastest guy all year, he was the only one that finished, finished all the races. There. And that, and like, like I said, at, when, Ben and well, when Ben crashed out of that Enduro, I'm just sitting in my wherever I was. I was remember just thinking, I was like, the table. You dumb MRF. Yeah. And it's like Caleb's got a beat button. He uh, can use it if you need him to. Oh, uh, so okay. Just let him uh, know. He just won't use it. <laughs> uh, oh, there we go. Um, no, I think it, and Jordan, honestly, I, I believe when you get, well, 
just when you get around a team or a group of people that you get along with, I just think you can r- rise up and ride better than what you have. And I think – I don't think he gelled well with everyone at Cowie. I mean, I get along with Jordan and Mary uh, and his family really well, but I just don't think he got along very well with the team. The environment wasn't, um, and, wasn't for Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, and I think once he moved over to uh, Magna and those guys there, I think they, they're based close to where he lives. I think they have the same kind of views as he does, and I just I just think he was just at home, and it was easy for him. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's, it was cool to see, honestly, it was cool to see someone other than Anti's rider win. Um <laughs> And he was still in a husky, so it didn't really matter. But it was just, I was, I was happy for Jordan when he won, you know. Um, and it it would have been a little more difficult to see if he hadn't won any races. But I think he won two last year, um, and was able to wrap up the championship. So I think overall he deserved it. Um, honestly, I wish it was myself, but you know that's that's yeah, the way it goes. Yeah, if if you wouldn't have had the injury at round two. Um, there's no doubt that uh, you would have been right there in the mix. Uh, with you would have had consistent, solid finishes, and you'd already won a. Ra- well, you came back and won a race, uh, the race right after Ben got hurt. But I'm in the same boat. Uh, give credit where credit's due. He stepped up. He made it happen. I am very glad he ended up winning a race. If you didn't win a race and won the overall championship that would be i don't know if that that could even happen other than this past year that would have been a very that that could have been very likely that that was a possibility yeah i mean there was a big chunk of the season where that was talked about that it could happen but he did i i feel like jordan we're gonna see a uh a more rejuvenated jordan a guy that's he's always gotten good starts and put himself in the mix but he's never been able to close the deal he he's made a career out of getting third place finishes and getting third place in XC one and getting fourth overall. You know he's he's always been right there. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's going to be better, a little bit more swagger. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's he's got to be close to his thirties now. But um, I, I I think he he is aged like fine wine. That is for for sure. Hey man, thirties the new twenty. It must be. <laughs> Josh, in uh, obviously we've talked quite a bit at length here about GNCC, and uh, you've got some racing coming up before GNCC starts, correct? Yeah, so I'll do the my plan is to do the full gas uh, series. So, uh, just I like the sprint stuff. Now that coaches don't turned it into one day stuff, I like it even more just because it's you don't do a whole lot of racing, so to be there a full weekend for me now with like two kids, I'm honestly just, it'd be nice to just get the racing done and then I can have one day, whether it be a Saturday or Sunday, we can go do something with family, you know? So for me at this stage, the full gas is what I'll do. And I think it's two weeks before the first round. So, uh, um, yeah, so we start up not too far away. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, obviously the full gas sprint enduro series there for a long time until it went on into new ownership was a two day format. Um, now they've cut it back to one day, 12 tests in one day. 
Uh, have you have you raced one of the new full gases yet? I don't think you you didn't do any under. Uh, yeah, so I, I did one last year. Yeah, you did. How was yeah. how was so it doing same. twelve tests? Was it was it pretty? Um, did it? Did, I think we, I think we did 10. ten. I can't remember if we did twelve or ten. I know the first round maybe we did twelve, and then um, a bunch of the amateur guys were. That was too much riding, so I think maybe the rest of the year they did ten. That is a, uh, that is a I lot. I can't remember now. Just because of the way it's set up, like I, when when I heard if it, I can't. Um, like I said, I I'm uncertain if it was twelve or ten, but twelve tests in one day. Obviously, it's not a whole lot of riding time, but the way it's staggered and set up, it seems like it would very much so drag on. Oh, and you're kind of like engaged while you're waiting too on those to some degree. You can't just flip a switch, so you're kind of like on for quite a bit of the day when you're doing twelve tests. That seems like it would really wear on you mentally. Yeah, and like I said, I can't remember if we did 12 or 10, but uh, it was, I think once the weather started to warm up, I think it would get more difficult, yeah, doing that many tests in the day. So uh, I'll be interested to see how it goes. The plan is to do the whole whole series. Uh, we'll just see how it goes, but I think that's, uh, Cowie supports me to do it, so I think it, it makes sense to go do it, uh, try and make a little extra money. Uh, for the wife to spend it on and that sort of stuff. So that's always nice. <laughs> you you mentioned uh, two boys now, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maverick and Tucker. So, so four Maverick, and 18 months. I don't even know. Four and 18 months. 15 four months. Four and not quite two yet. Four in a year. So yeah. two boys. Do we have Do we have any potential future racers? What are we looking at here for the Strang family? Uh, yeah, Tucker. The little fella, he's going to be wild. So uh, he he always already tries to get on the Mavericks little bikes and that sort of stuff, and he wants to sit on my bike. And for some somehow he already knows where the throttle is. Uh, Mavericks a little more timid, so he'll ride his Strider, but he's not into a Stasic yet. So I don't know. We'll see if they want to if they want to do it. Then I'm all I'm all about it because the more the more you watch kid team sports, the more I want to go to a GNCC and hang out with the family. I I concur. I've been there. Yeah. Soccer practice. Um, soccer yeah. games. It, yeah, it's it's yeah. not it's not our environment for sure. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how it goes. If that, I'm all I'm all for it. If they're they're in for it, so um, they do they can do what they want. Well, cool. Well, good deal. Well, uh, Josh, thanks for coming on. Whoa, we, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you have? You trying to let him go? Well, no, we, we've, we've had him on the phone for 40 44, minutes. He, I know it's past his bedtime, but Josh, we got a couple <laughs> things here, and one of these may take longer than the other. One, we'd just like to get to the bottom. We're three episodes in now, and we've been teasing some. Not teasing. We've been oh. we've been yearning for <laughs> knowledge, for answers, and uh, we think you might have the answers we seek. Uh, so many Silly season. Crazy this year. We'll just brush over it quickly with you. Obviously, you know, so many guys changing teams. Uh, a lot of the te- guys that are even back on the same teams are on new bikes with the new evolution of machinery coming out. Uh, but one guy making a big change and no one, literally no one talking about it. Uh, no one even knows. There's no social media posts. We've scoured the interwebs. We've dug to every corner of the dark web. We hired some super sleuths, internet, internet cyber sleuths, still couldn't find answers. We think you may have it. Do you have a new teammate over at the Babbitts online Monster Energy Kawasaki team for the 2023 season? And if so, who is it? 
Wait, are, are you not allowed to talk about this? Like this, uh, honestly, we don't honestly, we don't want to get anyone know. in trouble. But there's no. I mean, yeah, no. So, well, I have a new mechanic. So, um, Jay Downhour is my new mechanic. So, I lost my mechanic to another rider, um, and yeah, I guess. It, I mean, everyone knows it. it's been talked about. And, it's, okay, and let, let's I, let's clarify I, I, before I these words come out of your mouth. On Pro Row, this won't be released immediately we have a minute to edit this so if you're about to say something that's going to somehow get you in trouble we can edit this out but yeah we we have no reason to believe that it wouldn't be you you have a new teammate right yeah yeah and so as far as far as i know unless unless things have changed since about a month ago but i'm pretty yeah i'm pretty sure uh everything's still good so there'll be two actually myself and I mean, everyone knows who it is. There's only one what's other person who hasn't been announced yet. Craig, Craig said, yeah. what's his name? What's his name? <laughs> Craig's been is sitting it, over he, here silent the whole time. Little D-Long must be biting his nails. Is he nervous? Yeah, he hasn't been biting them yet. Hey, do you have a nickname for him? <laughs> Lazy Days. Lazy Days? Yeah. I don't, it's not even more. I think it's Timmy's nickname. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it would. I don't really know where it came from. That's for sure. <laughs> Lazy days. Yeah. Got it. Well, no, no more deflecting. So Grant Baylor was at the team photo shoot. Uh, he is on a Monster Energy Babbitts Online Kawasaki and signed, sealed, delivered XC1 teammate for 2023. But uh, defying all explanation, he's racing in a few weeks, and no one knows. Yeah, I, it's very strange. So I, I can't. I've given you all the information I've got because I, honestly, I, honestly, I've been kind of I've been put on the back burner a little bit um, since since that's come about, really. So uh, I, I don't know. I just been down down here doing my own thing. So um, keep my nose clean. Sounds like Cowie has big new hopes. I don't know. We're not. We're not asking you to say anymore. You, you uh, said enough. Yeah. Uh, and all, all joking aside, this is something we're hyping it up. We're kind of making a funny thing right now, but it's a serious question. Like we we were talking about it in, in episode one. And we mentioned Grant, and we're like, yeah, Grant Takawi, and it's been such a known thing. It's been talked about, like you know, in the in the inside line, uh, people in the know, I guess you would say, in the pits. Like I wouldn't even say people in the know. Like it was just common knowledge around the pits. Yeah. And and next thing you know, like. We're like, well, wait a minute. Where's where's the press release? Where's the photos? Where's anything yeah. on anyone's social media? Where's anything? And we searched and searched and searched and, and making light nah. of it. But yeah, we nah. we really did look around the internet, ask around, and it's like everybody's like, yeah. Well, well, where's the proof? Well, there is none. So uh, appreciate you confirming. Yeah, that. I think I think I found out from someone outside the industry too. Actually, maybe uh, one of my buddies I think told me about it. I was like, huh, that's news to me. So so just to clarify, that, so, clarify the team for 2023, official team, uh, again, the Babbitts Kawasaki Monster Energy team is yourself, XC1, Grant Baylor, XC1, Lyndon Snodgrass, looking to defend that XC2 title, correct? Yeah, so far, yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, well uh, Cowie's moving into National Enduros. Yeah. They're going to wear the number one plate. Very cool. Yeah, that's actually an interesting. Uh, you can't win it, you buy it. Well, that, <laughs> that, those are Caleb's words. Uh, yeah. I, before we let you go, one last thing. We do have Ben Kelly in studio, so you got to shout out uh, Craig DeLong's nickname there, Lazy Days. And we got BK sitting here. 
And uh, we talked about this a little yeah. before coming in. Um, I, I think both of you guys normally like super kind of just go with the flow. Like you said, you're racing more for the fun of it now. Ben is kind of known as, uh, you know, just real chill, just kind of out there doing his thing. Doesn't really get into too much controversy. But back in uh, 2021, there was a little little run in between you two. And uh, we'd, we'd kind of like for you guys maybe to... I don't know. Talk it out a little bit. What do you what do you think, BK? What uh, you I, heard him say? You're like, yeah. When Ben ran into me, and your face was kind of like, hey, like, what do you think of it? I mean, it was just, I guess it was a racing incident, incident. But I wouldn't say I ran into you. <clears throat> um, I guess, I guess we could give our own perspective. But uh, I mean, it seemed to me like you hit the side of my bike, so I don't know up in the air but no I mean. josh you can't see uh, this will be hopefully we're gonna have video with this so you can't see but ben is laughing obviously this is all in good good fun um oh, but, yeah, I know. but tempers flare obviously when you're on the racetrack and um it just shows even kind of like the mild-mannered guys like i remember standing there i think for whatever reason i was doing the uh the the post race interviews for Racer TV yeah. that he weekend, yeah, and I was like standing there, <laughs> right. and I was yeah. like, "What in the world is happening?" Like there was a lot of a uh, lot of tension when you come off yeah. the track. So no, and, and it, like yeah, so during the race, it was there was just two lines came together. I remember coming together with another KTM guy a couple of years before that, and uh, and it and it was just so early in the race that I was like. Like why, why so early? If you're gonna win the race, you're I'm not gonna win. Dumb, bro. Right here, no, I know. But that's what I was like. It's like, come on, like it cost me my race, and that this is how I look at it now. It's like long in the past, long in the past now. So, but it's like it's like it cost me. This is my livelihood too, and it cost me. I wasn't. I didn't feel in danger. I just felt. I was like, now I'm out. Now I'm out of bonus, you know. Yeah, and, and I, when I, I come when I come in, so I was hot headed the whole race, I think. And I come in and I see Ben getting interviewed. He's like, "You know what? I'm going to throw him a fucking elbow." <laughs> and I rode past <laughs> and gave him an elbow. And I didn't even think about. It. I, someone else saw it on the TV and and told me about it. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's sick." Turn camera at least. Yeah, so, I don't. I don't mean yeah, to like, no. laugh at the situation and like disrespect or anything. Uh, and like I, I feel like it was a little unlucky in a sense because the line I took was the fast line originally, and then the line you were on was like the developed new fast line, and uh, a lapper was in that line as you were already committed to it, and I, I saw that and I said, okay, I'm just gonna take this slower line and just go really fast and make the use this lapper as like a pick and make the pass, and uh, you know like la you like jumped out of that line into mine and it was just you know we we're both obviously yeah going no fast. It, it, so it really, was a it really wasn't for that sure. bad well and you, oh, yeah. you referenced earlier josh you know that was it or, wasn't as bad as when i got t-boat into the tree and <laughs> broke my fuel pump <laughs> come on man oh hold yeah, on, hold on. let's was, let's finish one, one let's no, finish one, one hold on hold on let's finish one controversy at a time you, you mentioned and this was early on in the 2021 season it was georgia right or, yeah so it was georgia yeah. i can see that because uh you know you had a really good first round you're on the podium second round i would assume you were also on the podium florida yeah yeah so like think, you were yeah. set up to have you know a solid year and then round three of course you you know had a unfortunate 
I guess it caused a mechanical. So then you had a, a bad race and I could see why that would really frustrate you, especially being the, the year after Caleb retired and, you know, you were one of the, the next guys to, to get the championship done. So I can see why you were frustrated for sure. But, uh, yeah. A, a lot of strange things in, in 2021, though, for you, Josh. Oh, yeah. and you, you referenced that earlier, but, um, yeah, no, we just kind of wanted to feel, throw a little fuel on that fire. But, unfortunately, lever head, level heads prevail, and you guys, like, work it out. But, hey, Ben's apologizing. It. I think we're past it. Yeah, Ben's, Ben's profusely yeah. apologizing for something that was a year I'm and a half I'm just not ago. taking all the blame is <laughs> yeah, what I'm no, saying. No, 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 if you, no. If you want to put it and put it on me, that's cool. But. And, and I think it was, like, again, like I said, it was a freak thing. I if someone ran into me three times or 10 times again like that, it, it wouldn't bust the banjo loose, you know? So it was just like, so there was that. And then the, the chain guy blown to pieces. It's like just stuff like that happened that hadn't happened ever before. So for, for my part uh, in this, the few times that they asked me to go down, I don't know if you remember this, but the few times they asked me or Mikey to go down and interview you for racer TV, like there was times I literally was just like, no, like, I, you know, I don't know oh, what's yeah. going on right now with this guy and this team. And, you know, it's a solid team, a solid bike. And obviously Josh is a solid rider, but something, you know, you got to draw a line. I understand like the people need to know, they want to know, but it's like, not right now. Let's give him a couple minutes, let it slow yeah. and cool down. And it was wild. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a strange, yeah. strange year for you for sure. And then, uh, yeah, let's, let's throw some fuel on this other fire here. Caleb's, Caleb's talking about something about a broken fuel pump. What, what? You, you guys had yeah. more than one run in over the years. You guys battled hard. There, All, there, honestly, there wasn't many. There was like three. Think. There was like maybe three incidents, but that one really still pisses me off. <laughs> He's yeah, retired now. You I can say whatever you want. You I, can't get. Back. You never forget. I could imagine. You ruined uh, summer. <laughs> oh yeah, because you were supposed uh, to go race oh, outdoors. Yeah. yeah, killed it. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it was it was yeah. It, it wasn't meant to be. I'm glad I, I'm glad I held off until the next year uh, with that whole whole ordeal. I remember, I, man, I worked my ass off that whole race, and um, that was one of the races. Like you were never the guy to get out front and build, and I wasn't able to close the gap. But for some reason, there I never really gelled at Tomahawk, and you yeah, were box smoked you there. You were really good there that day. It was a, sort of the same conditions. It was a little bit dusty. It was dry. Um, it was real dry. Yeah, it was uh, in 2015 when Bach beat me there. It was dry too. But yeah, I, I really didn't like that uh, that that racetrack that that facility. Didn't ride that good. I got into the groove, but I I remember working my ass off the whole race, like because I just I'm not gonna stop. I'm just gonna go until I can't go anymore. And I finally got to you. I got around you. It was an aggressive pass. But um, I felt like I, I, I can remember where it was, how it happened. Like I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't I could, expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I can, re I can remember. I think the next year we went, I'm like, yep, this is where we fucking – he wrapped himself. Well, maybe I wrapped him around a tree. It was only, obviously unintentional, but yeah, I, I, it's I don't, like last, the last lap. You're and going I'm for pretty the sure – I would have done the same thing. It was, Looking back, I would have done the exact same thing. That could have been, and it was almost outside. like a the Faulkner start straight thing. I think we tangled up, and you know when you tangle up, you just grab a handful of gas. 
because he crashed into the tree race, you're fatigued like yeah. it was the last lap like they're what they're yeah we're halfway through the last lap yeah oh yeah so yeah so you'd crashed you hit the tree i hit the next tree and i remember my helmet was like like twisted on my head <laughs> i hit it that like it was like you know when in the movies you see the helmet like twist around on someone's head it was like my head's on this, backwards. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the helmet had fucking moved my head and i'm like jesus and i look back and caleb's just throwing his hands up i'm like oh fuck this is not good <laughs> um and uh, and so i can't remember if i kind of slow rode a little bit because i've i've there's a couple other people i've taken out and Jimmy Jarrett was one of them. Yeah, and I, I know. It was like two I, I corners from the finish. Yeah, and you let him back by. I and it's like that. if – and I can't remember if I slow rode or if I just went balls to the wall because <laughs> I was fucking shit in my pants. And uh, anyway, so that was that one. And then the other funny one was – well, not funny for you, but the Coca race where you caught me last life again. And – and you're close enough. You, I don't think you were close enough to make a move, but then you crashed. And I come out into the field. I'm like, shit, where is he? And I'm like, fuck, all these KTM guys are going to think I took him out again. <laughs> and he's laying back there in the woods. And I'm uh, like, yeah, so. Yeah, no, that one, that one was all me for sure. And like I said, like I was the type of guy that I would, I would, uh, when I get heated in the moment, I would, um, I'd rather kill myself than let a wind slip away. Like I, it was everything I had. I didn't think about crashing. None of those thoughts came in, into, into, into mine. Um, and most of the time it worked out, but there were several times where it ended very, uh, spectacularly. And it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I wish, I wish my camp Coker crash was on TV. Man, that was that was wild. I was literally uh, Andrew Craig's oh. brother was behind. Well, behind we lapped him. He ran out of gas. He ran out of gas. We lapped him. I was my uh, my body was wedged in between a fence post and the fence. Oh, I do and remember I this story. My body was not touching the ground. Wasn't your bike hanging from the my, fence? My bike was upside down on top of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost into that pig fence, but. Uh, I end so I came I came out of the woods down the little hill and I was trying to get out of Josh's roost and I was right on him and I just got in the fluff and my bars knifed and I just endowed straight into the fence. Like it was violent. Very high speed section. Probably one of the sketchiest sections yeah. on that track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh Man. yeah, I, I dinged myself up good there. That was a that was a big one. Other than that, um probably uh here comes oh, one Powerline Park. Oh, on the 124 or 150 or whatever it was. Yeah. I forgot about that. Well, technically, you should never have been in front of me anyway. You're on a 150. <laughs> like, you <laughs> beat I was, everyone. I was, doing, I was doing everything I could to keep you behind. Yeah. Me. And, and like, yeah, looking back now, like, the way that whole, a whole race transpired, um, especially down the stretch there at the end, like, I was told I would only have to gas once, and that's what I was planning on. And you had ran me down. I had a little bit of a lead. You caught me. Um, I was kind of falling apart there. And you you historically always rode really good at Powerland Park too. <clears throat> um, but it was like you had a you had a line on me uh, out in the field. You squared me up. And I was like, I heard you and I knew it. And I just went way right. 
And uh, you got more of a run than I anticipated because I was going so much slower out of that turn on that bike and how I just came over. Because I, I looked, I checked, I seen you were there. And the distance you were behind me at the time, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go over here. That way he can't just blow past me on this outside. And uh, you kind of got up into me and I was just running you straight into the trailers. It was all on <laughs> Racer TV. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. then I go around the next corner and it says pit now. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. uh, that was, that was, uh, that was shit. a mistake on my part for sure. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of forgot about that, but then you waxed everyone the next weekend at Ironman on that thing anyway. So yeah, it's just the good, good days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it was fun. It was uh, good racing. I had a, you know, had a lot of great battles with, with Josh, uh, yourself and i we 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 uh we battled it out really hard you know i had a lot of great battles with paul wibley charlie strang thad um and those are the i i feel like my most memorable ones um you know everybody likes i think i think everybody thinks Stu baylor retired me for some reason but you know he wait was, who he, thinks that I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard it on well, oh, yeah. Stu and I've heard it on social media, but Stu yeah. was, Stu was there like all the years I was racing and I, n I never pegged him as a threat to any of my championships. So, um, you know, my, my four rivals through, through the years were definitely Wibbs, Charlie Strang and, and Thad. Those were the four guys that were, uh, you know, there every weekend and I knew I was going to have to race them at some point. Stu, I could never count on when I was going to have to race him. Last question, especially early on. Last question before we let you go, Josh. I asked this of uh, asked this of Thad Duvall. Uh, we they, they talked at length about some run-ins over the years between Caleb and Thad. Uh, I'm going to toss roughly the same question at you. Has the thought ever gone through your mind of how many wins? Obviously, you have. Uh, you know, Thad as yet does not have a GNCC championship. You have the 2012? 10. 10, 10 sorry. Um, uh, 2010. Yeah. I mean, I remember. I know it was on Suzuki. I remember the yeah, same yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. I just forgot the year. But you have a GNCC championship. Has the thought ever crossed your mind of, you know, like you said, you think you finished third or second to Caleb three times. Uh, has that ever crossed your mind? How Those championships and wins you might have if Caleb would have kind of taken up golf or, I don't know, noodling. I wish I Catfish noodling. I wish I did. Not honestly, that no, that never has. Um, that no, there's probably races that have crossed my mind that I probably should have or could have won instead, but never, never thought about if he wasn't there. That that wouldn't be that wouldn't even that doesn't even make any sense. So no, I haven't. I do wish. I don't know if Caleb ever. I don't know. Did you ever even party when you won or did you just like, I just wish I could have my 2010 championship back. Cause I feel like I would like burn a building down or something <laughs> like something fun. Yeah. I always, I like the thought of doing that more than the actual planning of doing it because I, I, I can remember even, and it was 2020 uh, because I was like, Oh, we should have, we should, I just bought the track out at North Carolina. I was like, we should have a big party. And then COVID happened and all that shit. I was like, yeah, I, I can't speak for the championship parties, but let me explain to you what a Caleb Russell race win party is. Uh, you drive straight home. I mean, re rephrase your wife drives you straight home 
as soon as you get home, you stop and buy a 12-er of lattes, uh, sometimes an 18-pack, depending on how froggy you're feeling, and you, you turn on Racer TV in the basement and you rewatch the race that just happened on Racer TV until uh, it just depends on how long it takes you to get home from the race, but three, four, five, six in the morning. Those are uh, only close races. Well, the closer ones that you can make it home. See, Johnny, but, Johnny thinks that... You know, he he lived with me there for a while in 2020, so he thinks he knows every little no, detail. I, of there it. was a lot of wins in there, and they all ended the same. <laughs> well, they were all within like three hours of the house. But anyways, Josh, thanks for coming on. It was great to have you. Get a little insight, hear what you're doing, how things are going. Uh, good luck next year. It should be exciting. We, wed- uh, we can't wait to see you back in action, uh, hopefully healthy and uh, ready to battle again. It's going to be a good 2023. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of great racing action. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on, fellas. Hopefully it's uh, – let's hope all the boys stay healthy um, this year. I think, like you said, it, everyone's kind of stepped up where they're – I feel – well, last year besides BK, I guess, um, everyone was kind of on a level playing field. So I feel like the – there was more battle, more racing going on. Uh, it was just unfortunate everyone got injured last year. So, yeah, let's hope this year um, everyone can stay healthy and uh, we can all race. Absolutely. We look forward to it. Well, we'll see you at uh, the, the next, well, the soon-to-begin full-gas Sprint Enduro Series here in uh, the end of January. Or, or was that the, the, the beginning of February? There's two. There's the U.S. Sprint. It was the end of January. End of January. Start. Or, no, after Wait, Sumter. Sorry. Yeah. After Sumter. So the, the weekend. Sometime. Sometime in a Sometime couple of weeks. Sometime in February in a couple February. of weeks. You'll be BK's our, just so you know, BK has a second job. He, he is, is our fact, fact checker. checker. And uh, February 11th, he just, just informed us. He's real real handy with that uh, iPhone. But is good. No, thanks for calling in, Josh. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, uh, good luck at round one. And we'll see you soon, buddy. All right, boys. See ya. Later. Man, good conversation. Yeah, that went well. He's a- I mean, that was an hour long. I, I didn't anticipate that, you know, whole ordeal lasting an entire hour. Um, yeah, but uh, we, we we had some good topics, had some uh, good stuff to talk about. Obviously, Josh Drang is a seasoned veteran when it comes to GNCC. He's been here in America for since 2006. He came when he was 18 years old. You know, talk, you know, I talked about me moving away from home uh, straight out of high school, being on my own at 18. He moved continents at 18 years old. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother level of commitment right there. Yeah. Like, it's away from everything and everyone you know. Didn't have any family over here. Uh, you know, just had made some friends. He, he mentioned uh, Glenn Kearney had kind of thrown him a lifeline and said, hey, hire this guy, Factory Suzuki at the time. Um, but yeah, what a commitment, man. Like just to pick up and leave everything you've known and search your dreams. And obviously it's worked out pretty well for him. Yeah. When, uh, when you, when you can make a, a living and a career out of doing something you love, you know, I, I feel like that's a, a success. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what everybody hopes and dreams to do. And, and super cool. He, he alluded to it, but to see him now kind of helping, um, pave the way for other Aussies and, you know, kind of offering them a little bit of mentorship. And, you know, he, he said he kind of chirped in there when Lyndon Snodgrass was having some troubles in Australia. I said, hey, mate, why don't you come over here? And, you know, if, if you can race for no money there, you can race for no money here and there might be more opportunities here. So cool to see him growing into that mentor role. And also really exciting to hear him say, like, 
you know, you ask, how much longer do you think you're going to do this? He's going to be 35. And he, yeah. he said, well, the, hey, the plan is two to I four more years. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Like, well, the way he started that statement yeah. off, he said, like, uh, even before I got injured, I the plan was like, kind of, and I was waiting for him to say, like, 2023 would be the last year. And then he comes back and, and says, like, yeah, two to four more years. That's cool, man. I, I pump for him. I like to hear that. I think it's cool. Like, why, why, like, set an end in sight if you're still enjoying it? I feel like he's still progressing. You know, he's obviously a solid rider and can still win races. So, so why not? If you're still enjoying it, like you said, keep at it. Yeah. He's, he's, he, I think he's the one guy in the last couple of years that kind of had that reoccurring theme of like, I just want to have fun. I just want to have fun. I just want to have fun. And, um, you know, I, I guess if you're, you want to be like that diehard guy, it's like, yo, you should live it, eat it, breathe it. You got to win. Like, sure. But, when, when Josh says, like, I just want to go have fun, I don't think that means by any stretch of the imagination that, hey, I'm not taking this serious, I'm not working. It's more the sense of, like, hey, I'm structuring my program and my desires around winning, but at the same time, I'm doing it in a way that I'm enjoying the process. It's I, th- I think it's enjoying what you do on a daily basis. Um, I, I think that goes a long ways. You know, these guys thoroughly enjoy maybe not thoroughly enjoy waking up every day and doing what we do reword that it becomes a job it does become a job it has to become a job if you want to see progress and stay competitive at the highest level you can be and especially the teams these guys are on they expect a whole lot out of them and the sure structure, the structure is there now so and and for josh like he made reference to the fact of like not the same fit for everybody he talked about jordan ashburn and how you know the team that josh is on the Monster Energy Babbage Kawasaki he really team. It. He's there. He's pumped on it. That's his. Those are his people. He gels with them. He said Jordan didn't. Jordan goes over the Magna team, which is and and the one thing I will say that Josh didn't say or allude to, and I've heard from multiple people, and Jordan himself said he felt like the Magna One Motorsports team was the first team that was built around him. Like it basically, he was the he was the the focus. The team was built around him. It was about him. He wasn't a secondary rider. He wasn't just one of the riders. It was a team that he felt, whether reality or otherwise, he felt the team was built around him and, you know, produced results. Yeah, it's, that is something I I don't know that, I don't, I don't know how to give the words to express how I feel about that because I never had that outlook on it. And Looking back after you saying that right there, I understand like KTM, the the team there for a long time was built solely around me. And I don't want to revert this all back on me. This this is what Stu does every time somebody asks him a question about somebody else, he just reverts it back to himself. And but I never looked at it in that in that sort of aspect or light. I was just like, Well, nobody else is here. I better make sure I win for these guys. I wasn't thinking like, oh, this is all here for me. And, you know, that sense. I was like, I never still felt entitled to the position. Like, I never let myself get into the mindset of being like, oh, they're only they're only coming here because I'm the only one one here now. If you can understand that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not speaking on behalf of Jordan. Well, I, I, I wasn't, just, I wasn't yeah, yeah, putting I'm just, in the light as uh, Jordan was being arrogant in the sense like they're, they're here because I'm here. But if, but if I think if you look but at Jordan's I, I, I history, do, I can see how that yeah. that gives somebody confidence. It's like, all right, we want to build this team singularly around you yeah. and what your needs are. But I never looked at it, let it. Um, I I never let it uh, persuade me into that 
sort of mindset. Um, I'm not sure about Ben because Ben Ben is kind of in the same boat here. Uh, you know, in the last after I retired, you know, I I I'm going out and they're all the focus is going straight on him. And, and I know in the first episode we uh, touched on this a little bit, but it's like, all right, we got this guy moving out. We want this guy to win. What? How, how are we going to get it done? I feel like maybe what you're saying is you had the mindset that you always had to prove yourself. Yeah. Is that the case? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I didn't ever feel like I was entitled to be there. I always felt like because I was a lot of times the only guy, like I had to continuously per- perform. Like it wasn't because um, I felt like I had to earn my position every year, no matter what. And I think that's the way it should be. Like, even when I say I first got my factory ride, I didn't th- see that as like, oh, I made it. I saw that as like, oh, man, this is like the start. Now yeah. I need to. This is the opportunity I need to capitalize yeah, on. But it's like that always. Like, you always show up expecting someone to to be better or to have progressed. And you just need to always show up like on your A game and, and uh, like you have to perform to the best. I feel like that's that's the way it needs to be. Well, and shifting to, you know, uh, lazy days over here. Um, I do. I, I think we have enough time left. I'd still like to cover a little bit of the national enduro prep hype, whatever you want to call it, sprint enduro, us sprint enduro and full gas. We can touch on who's where, but you know, in, in this conversation we're having right now about teams being built around people or marquee riders on teams, like let's talk about you a little bit. Like a couple of years ago, coastal racing Husky, uh, obviously the factory rockstar Husky team completely dismantled with injuries, have no riders. And without going into details, I think it's kind of a known thing. Like those teams have contracts that are dependent upon fielding riders on the racetrack. If they can't do that, they're essentially, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're not fulfilling their contracts with associate and title sponsors and all that. So being that the organizations all work together, factory rockstar Husky reaches out and says, Hey, you know, coastal, you're our, uh, one of our support teams. We need, you know, we need one of your riders. Like we, we need, and at the time, uh, Ricky Russell doing very well gets injured. Um, he's not, and, and it all kind of all happened around the same time, but you were an XC2 guy and suddenly you go from uh, an XC2 guy battling for a championship, battling for wins on a, a factory supported team to the only rider out of a rockstar factory Husqvarna semi like talking about building a team around somebody, man, that's a big shift. How, how'd that go over and how'd that feel? It was at first it was nerve wracking, but like what Caleb said, like it's, you put it into perspective. It's like, you got that pressure, like you got a not pressure, but motivation to perform because they're driving a semi across the country for you. So it's, um, it was good. I, I, I think that helped me that year or any year in that case, just because I was the only guy, all the attention was on me, and uh, I I enjoyed it. It was good. There's no way to know how this would have played out in a vacuum had that not have happened, but if you look at your career trajectory since then to now, it's been such a fast growth, such a fast um, evolution of you know going from a guy battling for you know XC2 wins to winning an XC2 championship with that team, um, coming back next year, battling for another XC2 championship. We already talked about, obviously, a phenomenal rookie season. Um, not, I guess, to compare your previous team to the team you're on now, but do you feel like any part of that added pressure, added investment in you kind of 
made you step up your game even more? Oh, for sure. It was, I mean, nothing against the Coastal team, but it's it wasn't to what it was or what it is now. And, um, like, that, that next step, it made me realize that, like, you know, this is this is my time. Like, I got to make it happen. Caleb, this is the time for your catchphrase. Sink or swim. Exactly. And you swam. Well, I'm like, the way, I, I think the only reason I got it, because I wasn't supposed to, I don't think I was supposed to, it was like one year, like, till they come back, and then, you know, I was back to Coastal, but I was winning and, like, kind of in the points battle, so they, they just had to make a spot for me, I think. And that's kind of where I've been. Made the most of it, and it turned into an additional opportunity. Just a replacement guy. Yeah. Lazy I mean, days. <laughs> lazy days. Uh, the, Craig hasn't seen too many lazy days recently. Not the last two weeks. Yeah, so it's been since probably, I don't know, what was it? End of August? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I think it's good, especially, obviously, all the guys that we've had in studio right now, we've... You know, I've I've currently been working with, which is a little unfair to everybody else, so to speak. But you know, we are using our, we are utilizing the resources at our fingertips. Yeah, man, convenience. Like it is convenience for and, sure. And and to be and, fair, and like, still they're all riders in the realm. Right. That we hey, need to we're talk, talk we're, to. we're like a <clears throat> we're not the factory podcast here. We don't have no. the resources to be you know PJs and flying people across the country. Like yeah, we can't. We, can't <clears throat> we go out to the everybody. campground out back here and we're like knocking on doors. Like, and I am doing that so you guys can hear it. Like, yo, Craig, what are you doing? He's like, Buddy, I'm in the shower. We're like, hey, man, we're doing a podcast and we're gonna talk national. We're gonna talk national enduro and sprint enduro and um, you know some stuff about dirt bikes. So come on in. And Craig's like, do I have to? And I think I think everybody listening and uh, wants wants to hear from you know the the top riders, sure, the factory riders and. You know, Ben Ben was really good on the first show, and uh, we we got a new mic set up. So. Yeah, we got a new mic set up so we can go for now. And I mean, I he I feel right like here. at this point Ben's on the payroll. He's our fact checker. Yeah, he's he's like, gonna have to be. He's even. He's, I think what we're gonna do from now on, if Ben doesn't want to be in front of a mic at any point, and he's, he's here, he's good to come in here and yeah, give us he's, points. Of he's interest. just gonna sit here, and as facts. we start talking, he's in the know of everything. He's gonna be he's a social butterfly. He's gonna be. Our, <laughs> he, we <laughs> no, talked this, about this. This is my media training, and. So me, I say this all the time, like living in New England, I'm like so out of, I don't know. I feel like most people live in like North Carolina or this uh, Morgantown, PA, Waynesburg area of Ohio, West Virginia, PA. And um, when I show up to the races, it's like kind of strictly business. You know, you're so busy. Look, you show up, you look at the track, you eat, you make sure you're signed up, ready to go, gears ready. You go to sleep, you wake up, you, you, race you go back to your camper. Wait, no, Ben sold his. I leave. <laughs> I just get in the car. Ben, and ben is the only top XC1, XC2 rider that I'm aware of on the bike side that goes to hotels now. I did a couple times. This year? No, it's becoming, it's uh, the new fad. It oh, it's shifting back. Ditching the camper, the motorhome oh, line. Okay. All right. It's, okay. It goes in waves. I Gas feel prices, like, bro. Everything. Yeah. I mean, I was a hotel guy for years and I get where BK's at. It really, but. it really is going in waves. Like there's, there's a bunch of guys now that are, Ooh. you know, uh, Ben, Craig. I did uh, like three quarters of the races last year. That Lane, is Lane Michael. Maybe. <laughs> myself. I've been borrowing stuff. Well, that's a whole nother discussion. You own a, you own a very nice camper that just is missing half of the camper and it's back. It's back in action. Actually, It is. Yeah. Is it coming back to the races? We, we've got, uh, it took a year 
to to get some new screws and some uh, some glue. <laughs> it took took a year to get some new screws and some bondo and some epoxy to hold the camper onto the chassis. We're, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk. All about he needed that was flex lot. tape, flex seal, yeah, all the flex exactly. products, Dialed. and you would have been back. In oh, business dude, in if a you week. want a camper, you have to have flex seal. I don't uh, care if it's brand new and how much it costs; like it's gonna leak. Guess I need to go to the store. <laughs> yeah, Craig's is brand new. I pulled in first thing I saw. I saw. Cam- I'm like, dang, Craig, you got camper like Taj Mahal of campers. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, I'm gonna be down here a while. Like, trying. Katie low- wanted me to get a nicer bed, low key yeah. flexing. And I was like, you got a dog in there? He's like, nah. I tried to bring Andrew's dog, but you he- pay for a better quality of life. It's yeah, worth it. It's in nice. The end. And to be fair, Ben, like your your camper was nice. It was just small, yeah. and you're a pretty big guy. And no, like, I just was over it. Like you I said, you like hated doing dishes. Hassle. No, it's and cleaning. Just, it's a it is a lot of work. Yeah, like when you drive a long way, it's Ben's a, lot a of van work. lifer. I can totally see Ben. Like, I can be a minimalist. Like, I don't yeah, need he, much. Dude. Ben is definitely the gypsy soul minimalist. I have to have a lot of things with what we do, of course, but yeah, yeah for the most part. He's, he has a lot of tools. He's going to throw it back to the Shane Watts days. Do you remember that? He's a free runner. Shane sleeping. I don't, I don't know if he's that. I'm not that hard. Do you know about that? Like sleeping under his van? He, just, he, no, just it wasn't because. a van, bro. It was a camper, and he would sleep under it. Yeah, I don't know if he a, actually it box, did. Man. It no, it, there was a point. I know this for a fact. When he was doing the whole, like, I'm going to race every bike the KTM has and win on them all. Well, back back in the day, too, you got to remember, like, those guys, when they came over here, they would race um, GNCC, mm-hmm. National Hair Scrambles yep. were big. Uh, they would race some National Enduros. Sure. They were racing every OMAs weekend. were a thing back then. Somewhat. They would literally okay. race yep. uh, every race for, you know, what a, you know, they would race 30-some weekends out of the year. Yeah. That's how, that's how you were you could afford to make a living um, racing a motorcycle and off-road was by just going to travel to all these races. So I agree. I, I just, if we're talking specifically about Shane Watts, I don't know what that has to do with having a camp. This is like when his wife was here, he had a camper and he slept uh, under it. I swear, dude, no, this is before this I'm not before. making this up. No, this, I was there. This was early. 2000s. You were 10. Just to 12. prove people wrong that he's just a badass. I th- no, I think I do think it was like a mental thing. There was a, a lot of rumors that yeah. he would sleep in the camper and get up at like 5.45 or 6 in the morning, throw a sleeping bag underneath the camper, crawl down there so that when the guys pulled into the pro pits, they you would know, see him sleeping. It was, it was definitely bef- before the wife because I could always remember. I remember stories as I was growing older of like the stories of Shane Watts' new chick in the back of the box van or underneath the box van, you know, so... It Under, wasn't underneath. That's yeah. That's next level. But the the look on the look on Craig's face right now. Craig's like, man, I needed a race in the two thousands, like nineties. I actually found an old poster. Terra firma days. Yeah, I actually found an old GNCC poster when I was cleaning up before I headed south to. Uh, and it was Shane Watts was the champion that year. I think it was ninety eight or ninety nine. Um, and not in GNCC, he wasn't. Uh, it must have been two thousand then. I can't remember exactly what year it was, but there was a poster and it was the Shane Watts picture with the number one on the bike. And he was the champion. Bill balance was, or Bill or Barry was a champion on ATVs. I don't know. I have a snap of it, but it was funny. Cause it just brought back all those memories of like, dude, he so much controversy that guy caused. Like he loved to stir things up. Oh, he loved it. I was a huge Shane Watts fan. There Everyone was for the longest time. Unless yeah. you raced against him. Yeah, he, he's um, yeah. I mean, the the only way to to describe it, and I, now you see why Stu Baylor is so polarizing. People love that. 
Controversy. Yep. People love controversy. Yeah. Same with like reality TV and just drama. Yeah, that's drama. that's exactly the the same the, the same in retrospect. That's how Shane Watts was uh, to Stu Baylor now, in the exact same ballpark. Like as far as um, the controversy, uh, the stigma, everything that goes along with that. Stu Baylor is the mod- modern day Shane Watts, only he's not sleeping underneath his camper, and he's not Australian. He's not Australian though. Yeah, They're pretty different builds physically. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Not I, ne- I never saw Shane Watts drink a beer. I don't know if he drank or not. I was pretty young, but um, Stu's obviously he's the. Is he a bush light guy? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Probably anything cold. Yeah, it's whatever the fans off. want him to drink. Was he, what he's going to drink? Fair so that, that's <laughs> he's racing the national enduro. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Are we can. It's, it's called the backup plan. What do you mean? <laughs> I, I must have missed that one. Craig lost us. Maybe, maybe, or, maybe I'll, I'll just edit that part out. <laughs> If you can't win the GNCCs, oh. you hope to win the National Enduros. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, all right. I got you. I got you. Yeah, we'll edit that part out. <laughs> we, we might just keep the whole scenario in there. <laughs> and make it better. <clears throat> Anyways, we've had a great show tonight. We had Josh Strang on, Craig DeLong, Ben Kelly, Johnny Gallagher, and myself in studio. We're an hour and 56 minutes into this thing. We're going to let you guys go early tonight. We are going to get off here. Come back to you. We're going to have a GNCC preseason show. I'm going to edit that too. Okay. We are going to have a GNCC preseason show. Edit that again because I want to say one more thing. Okay. Cut. Cut. And we're coming back. Uh, Hey, Caleb, I actually just got a text from uh, Josh Strang. Pretty interesting. I texted him as we were finished up and kind of moving on. I said, hey, man, thanks Thanks for calling in. Uh, you killed it. And he said, thanks, man. That was a lot of fun. And he said, honestly, crazy all the races you forget about until someone else brings them up. It's it's pretty cool, like, you know, for a guy like that that's been at it so long, battled against essentially two generations of GNCC champions and also has memories with Lazy Days over here. Um, you know, it's just, it's wild that a little podcast like this can kind of start jogging jogging his memory and, uh, yeah, bring back some nostalgia. I think I think that is bringing up string again, how he, he asked you about, um, you celebrating your championships. He's like, man, I wish I burnt a building down, but I can relate to that a little. And, uh, like maybe now looking back at your career, you're like, oh man, cause you, you win these races or championships and then you're always just focused right on the next thing. It's hard to, to actually like sit there and look back at what you just did and try to like actually enjoy it. And that's definitely something I feel like maybe everyone struggles with that. How do you do that? How do you how do you enjoy what you just did, but also stay focused enough to to try to to keep that course going? Ben, I think this is going to be for another podcast because that is uh, <clears throat> a deep one. That's going to be deep. Like to to dive into the, the you know who we need to have on for that the, show. Who's that? Jason Wygant. Yeah, right. I think that would be very he, good. He, I, I think he wrote a great article once that said you know, I, literally I, that. It said the irony of the fact that these guys have the dream job and you know, everyone looks at them like this is the dream, you're winning, you have this job, this championship is that none of them, no one can enjoy it in the moment. 
you can't enjoy it until after it's gone. You look back on it and you realize, man, I should have enjoyed it more. But the reality of it is the few guys that enjoy it while they're doing it, it doesn't last as long and they're not as successful for the most part. I, I think too, like the sport, it's such a revolving door. Um, it goes, the year goes by so fast. You, you, and you win these races or this championship and you're solely focused on this for so long that you don't know how to appreciate it because you've worked, you've worked really hard, but you don't understand how to appreciate it. You're just relieved. It's, it's done and over with, and you got the job done. So it's like you actually enjoyed the process of doing it and getting to that point more than you actually liked winning. Uh, that, and, and that's what it was for me over all the years is, you know, and that's why I'm still, I can remember being young and dumb and being like, Oh, I'm never going to have a road bike ever again. And look at me now, I'm out here pounding sand roads, sand roads with you guys freaking beating my head on the ground. Cheating because I frustrated occasionally. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, for sure. But I, I've come to realize like over time, like I enjoy the process more than I like the end result. And it comes with time and age. And I was never one to like overly celebrate because I, it was just a relief that it was done. But uh, as soon as it was a relief, it was like, I would look, I would hang that banner up over there in the, in the, in the garage. And I'd be like, I would look at it and I'd be like, man, how many more can I hang? What do I got to do now? So it wasn't like, oh, let's celebrate. And I, I, I'm, I mean, you celebrate when you're done. And I still didn't do that because I'm still not done. I, I, ate, a, I ate a cupcake the night I retired. It had my face on it. Yeah. That was it. I don't know. It is very strange. I, I, I will agree. I was never one into, into celebrating, but it was, I, I think too, it's, um, you know, I was growing up, you know, with my dad and my grandpa watching football games and stuff. And it just, we weren't super excited people and our favorite teams won and stuff. So like you see that and you don't relate to being ecstatic at certain moments. So. Yeah, I can agree. I feel like I'm the same way. I don't know about Craig. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, there, there's certain times when I was for, was way more excited than others, and I showed, but it wasn't over the top. So, and for the most part, I was pretty level headed, and I and I think all of us here at the at the table were, uh, you know, kind of in that same category. Is, you know, we are excited. We don't necessarily know how to show it, but uh, the ones around us are excited for us, and that's all we needed. We don't need the validation of. You know, we don't need to make a mockery of ourselves and, and earn the validation of by doing, by being, by ce- over celebrating to earn the validation of others for our core group. I, yeah. I can only speak for once. And for me, like the, like the kind of over the top people like screaming when I won that race in 2017, like I don't want to use the word embarrassed, but I was like, I just kind of felt like it is it you kind of get that sort of yeah, sensation like, it's, it's like, almost like it's like what do I do like I don't want to be ah, yeah I wanna. well no it was just like for me it was just like wow this is awesome like it's been such a long road like but it wasn't real yet in the moment but the reality of it was like people were like going crazy and I felt like a lot of people were kind of like disappointed because I didn't like freak out and celebrate but to me like my celebration was i just remember saying on the podium like my dad said to me years ago don't you ever want to be the baddest guy on the track for just one day today i did it dad like that was my celebration like 
Yeah, I didn't need to scream and re- not judging anybody else that does that. But there was no revies. There was no screaming. It was just like, cool, man. This is awesome. So oh, everybody's yeah. different. Yeah. No, I, 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 to each their own. Everybody is going to be different. Everybody. Who's going to burn the building down? Apparently, Strang. <laughs> so it, basically, what I take from that, we're going to close this out, is There's Josh Strang, Josh Strang wins the 2023 championship or any going forward. Wherever it happens, if it's at Ironman, Tom's Marine, look out. Josh Strang is coming to burn the building down. I'm going to be there. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll That'd get. I'll have some, what do they call them? Put another shrimp on the Bobby. If I had a camper, I'd let him burn that to the ground. <laughs> we'll get you a camper. We'll go on Craigslist. Yeah. Anyways, great show tonight. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. We will uh we will talk to you soon. We'll be back with another episode of the Inside Line. Thanks for listening to the Inside Line podcast. Made possible by the folks at Carry Resources, a real estate and property development that's WFO. Because we all have to work hard to play hard. Check out their available assets and website at carryresources.com.